This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 93, Submissions 033 and 496. Into the Sanfordverse, part one. In this episode, we're going to look at the three spin-offs of Sanford and Son and what happened to Sanford and Son after its final episode in 1977. So everybody knows about Sanford and Son. Sa Sanford and Son has been around since 1972. Uh, didn't have a terribly long run on NBC. Five seasons, not, not bad at all. Uh, but there's reasons why it only lasted five years, which we'll get to later in this episode. And uh, Sanford and Son, in case you don't know, is based off the UK show Steptoe and Son. The show was, a, uh, I, I mean, beyond popular. Beyond popular, almost immediately. Reasons for that? Um, maybe it's because it was the first true comedy or sitcom with an African-American lead that wasn't like totally disparaging to see Amos and Andy. Yep. It, it was, uh, one of, it was the, uh, first, uh, one of the first, if not the first, uh, sitcoms with a predominantly African-American cast that didn't portray caricaturism or, uh, minstrelsy. The, the first series would have been Julia back in 1968. Oh, my mistake. Well, my mistake. It, it, it's okay. The only reason I know that is because I had to write a paper about it back uh, 18 years ago uh, when I was in college. But yeah, uh, the first series would have been Julia in 1968. Uh, this might have been one of the first with a, an African-American male lead. Sanford and Son had a very diverse cast, and not just uh, from the African-American standpoint. Uh, two main characters that you saw quite a bit uh, were Julio Fuentes, who's played by Gregory Sierra. And if you don't know who Gregory Sierra is, as Chico would say, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Uh, first season of Barney Miller, Chano, hello. In addition to Barney Miller, uh, Gregory Sierra, well, if you remember in a couple of previous episodes, I, I mentioned Joe Mantegna played uh, like one one and uh, Lori Faso played one two. Oh, I know, oh, I know where this damn. is going. No, he wasn't one three. He was the general, wasn't he? He was, he was the, the leader of the wands. Yes, he was the generalissimo of the wands. Yeah, yes, he was. He he, he was the the big one. I knew that name sounded familiar. Oh yeah, uh, another name that should sound awfully familiar is. Uh, the person who played Ah Chu. Oh, isn't that cute? Ah Chu. Ha ha ha. He sneezed. Oh. Yeah. That's not, that's not, per, that's not per racist at all. No, not at all. But that character was played by, oh, I know Greg is sitting. He's not going to be for long. Pat Morita! Oh! Yes! Yeah, okay, yeah, you know Pat Maria. He was only on Happy Days and some little movie called The Karate Kid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you, you've heard of him. So, so hey, yeah, hey, hey, Greg, he was like on three weeks of Match Game. You remember him now? 
He's on three weeks of match game. Yeah, he was on three. Am weeks I wrong? Am and I wrong? And he was on previous installment, Break the Bank seventy six, and future installment, Ohara. Oh mercy, we're we're milking this one for all it's worth. Yes, we are, sir. Uh, but, but also, I mean, you, you had more diversity beyond that. I mean, you did have uh, Caucasian actors. Yep. You had Howard, you had Howard Platt. Poppy. How, Howard and we Platt. talked about Howard Platt previously, because Howard Platt, try saying this five times fast. Howard Platt, yeah, Howard Platt played the pilot on, I think this is like episode 15, Flying High. Woo! Oh. Yeah, he was the pilot on Flying High. So this isn't the first time we're talking about Howard Platt. And, and of course, you know, other people on that show. I mean, again, diversity is overwhelming. Hal Williams. How can we keep Hal Williams off of here? Everybody remembers him from 227. I remember him from future installment, The Sinbad Show. Oh, there you go. There's a deep cut. Was it? Wait. Uh, only Only cut I know. The Sin... Oh, wasn't that his late night show attempt... No, the Sinbad show with Salma Hayek and Ray J. Okay. I'm thinking when he hosted Vibe. Okay, never mind. Well, getting back to our our little tale here. So the the series was an absolute smash. And in 1975, late 1975, the first spinoff came. And this actually falls under a category we've talked about in the past. And I think we're going to be doing a show about in the future which I consider the wrong character got the spinoff. I mean, I love Grady as much as anybody on Sanford and Son. Whitman Mayo is absolutely friggin' hilarious. He oh. is a godsend, yes. Oh, but yeah. I don't think he's the character that should have gotten the spinoff. I think that should have been uh, Lamont. It should have been Demond Wilson. But yep. that, that's just my, my, my speculation or or my beliefs, but Grady. Oh, let's talk about Grady. But you know what? I want to play the theme song first and give the details. Okay. Grady aired on NBC from December 4th of 1975 to March 11th of 1976 for a total of 10 episodes. about that theme song it's like i want to like it but it's like really frigging annoying yeah it's um it's not a bop it's not even a ditty it's not even it's not even a jaunty little 
what's his face? It's just it's it's no, it's no it's no Quincy Jones, that's for sure. So Grady, what was Grady about? Well, besides Grady, uh, Grady actually uh, left Watts and uh, moved in with his daughter and her family in Westwood, another part of Los Angeles. And uh, uh, it was basically the hijinks of that family now, the daughter, uh, his, uh, uh, his granddaughter, his grandson. Uh, it's what Life with Lucy would be about 10 years later. It's basically, and again, another parallel, uh, both in terms of the family structure or the show structure, but also the the wrong character got sitcom syndrome. Mm-hmm. This is the Cleveland show. Yep. Think about it. I, think about it. I am thinking about it. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Because well, well, yeah, at least before uh, Cleveland and his family returned to Quahog, you met... Uh, you met the stepdaughter. You met the new Cleveland Brown because remember he was a little twerpy back uh, in, in the early two thousands, and now he's a very robust uh, gentleman. There's actually a story behind that, but I will not go into it right now. Yeah, we'll Good save deal. That. We'll save that for the episode when we do the gave the spinoff to the wrong character. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Grady in this case is with his daughter and uh, his, his grandchildren and, and also uh, Grady's son-in-law who happens to pop up and make a very, um, a very crucial appearance, let's say, in the one episode that's online. There, there's one episode uh, and it's actually halfway decent. Oh, it's good. Uh, it's oh, I really okay. liked it. I yeah, like it. It's okay. If you, it, can it's sit, okay. if you can sit through three seasons of the Cleveland Show, you can sit through one episode of Grady. And the, the whole, and we'll get to the episodes in a second. We'll talk about this episode. But yeah, I mean, it had its moments. It, it was sort of lame at some points, in my opinion. But how it came around, like the last ten minutes or so, or, or, or the last eight minutes, was brilliant. I thought it was brilliantly done. It came from the same people. Uh, who did Sanford and Son, so I'm not totally surprised. And by those people, we're talking about uh, beyond uh, Bud York, and we're talking about Saul Turtletaub and Bernie Orenstein, who are some names that we've talked about in the past. And uh, actually, Saul Turtletaub is still with us, because as I mentioned uh, not that long ago, within the last month or so, he did Gilbert Gottfried's podcast when he did a comedy writer's roundtable. Oh, uh, and also another thing I noticed, and this is from uh, Insomniac Television viewing, Saul Turtletaub, before Sanford and Son, actually was a writer for the first couple of years, or at least the first year, I should say, of the Carol Burnett show. Oh. Back in yep. 67, yeah. So uh, there were some reasons why this got canceled. Um, and we'll get to those in a moment. There's one glaring reason, and well, actually, there's two, but uh, one is because of the other. Of course, you have Grady, Grady Wilson, played by the incomparable Whitman Mayo. Absolutely incomparable. And his daughter, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie Marshall, nay, Ellie Wilson, played by Carol Cole. Carol Cole, 
who is unfortunately no longer with us. And really, she did not do anything uh, after this. Uh, this yeah. is her last credit on, on IMDb, sad to say. Yeah. Uh, well, her, her last credit in terms of acting. Yeah. Uh, look, looks like she did some uh, documentaries about uh, Nat King Cole uh, in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, but this is her last acting credit. Mm-hmm. And then you have her husband, Hal, played by Joe Morton, who is known primarily as that guy from that thing. Yeah, and what he wasn't he also Miles Dyson in Terminator 2? Not only that, he was also uh, Kerry Washington's daddy in Scandal. Ooh. Oh, oh, there you and, go. Oh, and he was in, uh, he played Silas Stone in Batman v Superman in Justice League. So yeah, he was. He is a classic case of that guy from that thing. Yeah, and you'd also recognize him. There's some other shows that he did. Uh, he did Law and Order. Uh, he did Smallville. Uh, the list goes on and on. But yeah, he's one of those people. And, and oh, I should also add, uh, he was also in a different world. Oh yeah, so, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, that little uh, that that episode stretch strand. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah he, he's a good case of that guy from that show. But he isn't just somebody who makes appearances here and there. He's been on uh, many shows over the decades. But then we get to uh, Grady's granddaughter, Lori, who's played by Roseanne Caton. Ah, she, she of um, guest appearances on future installments, That's My Mama, and Jason of Star Command. But she also did have some appearances uh, on St. Elsewhere back in, looks like, about the third season. Yeah, opposite of Denzel Washington. Uh, probably. Yeah. Men of a certain age would recognize her as Miss September 1978. Speaking of Miss September 1978, she actually also made an appearance as a Playboy Playmate. And oh, we remember this episode because we talked about it months and months ago. She was one of the Playmates on former installment Pink Lady. If you remember the sketch where uh, Pink Lady was uh, with Hugh Hefner trying to be playmates? Yes, sir, yeah. I do. Oh, he man. was in that skit. In oh. that sketch. Oh. Yeah, it's all tying back in. It all, everything ties in uh, incredibly around here. Oh, and speaking of tying in incredibly, uh, not with a, a show that we're going to cover, but the grandson of Whitman Mayo. This is a name. This is a name from later in the 70s. And yes, oh, this is great. Haywood Nelson. Don't tell me what? you don't know who Haywood Nelson Dwayne is. Dwayne from What's Happening. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Dwayne from What's Happening and What's Happening Now. Yep. Absolutely correct. He was in this show. Yeah. Oh. And he'd actually be in What's Happening like uh, less than a year later. Because yeah. Tapping started in 76. And he was great in that one episode I saw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did a great job. Absolutely. But uh, now we're going to get into the actual episodes. And we're going to have a repeated name 
that we talked about, oh, I want to say it was probably about 30, 35 episodes ago in episode one. So episode one is titled, Be It Ever So Humble. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Just not, you know, not with the bad singing or the last half of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grady and his family move into a house, the former tenant of which refuses to leave. And uh, in this episode, you actually have an appearance by by Red Fox uh, as uh, as Fred Sanford because he helps Grady move. Sort of. Yeah, let me, let me help you with your luggage, Sam, dummy. Yeah, he helped by bringing uh, Grady's luggage. That, so. That's our that's yeah. our Sanford. That's our Fred Sanford. Always willing to do the bare minimum for our friends. He he did just enough. But on this episode, playing George Kaczynski, oh, you guys know this name, George Zunza. Whoa! Yeah, from up, pre- up. Open All Night, 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 Open All Night. Exactly. Yeah, he, when he, so he, he was on this show? He was on he, this he was, show? I, he was on the first episode, and also he appeared on another episode. IMDB says he was on two episodes. Okay. And speaking of, well, not necessarily two episodes, but the second episode. Oh, and this is the episode, uh, the second episode that George Zunza appears in. It's called The Driving Force. And if you watch the opening credits to Grady, you see him taking a whole bunch of buses. He must have a lot of transfer passes because he must take, I'd say, four buses uh, in the opening credits minimum. Yeah, he must yep. be a real big fan of the L.A. transit system. He is all about the green living. Well, before Ed Beckley Jr. was, anyway. Um, well, I, I wouldn't even say necessarily the green. Uh, unfortunately, it's you know pretty common in the inner city to take buses like that. Because yeah, you, you yeah can't that is. And, and also, if you are getting on in, in that age, so. Right. So Grady is tired of riding the bus and decides that he wants to learn how to drive. His family, however, has concerns. After passing his test, he overhears his family talking. To make sure they don't worry, he tells them he didn't take the test and resolves not to drive. That, I believe, is an issue we're going to talk about in the next episode because there's stuff I mentioned uh, to Greg before we did the show which may have uh, some relevance here as to why he will stick to the bus instead of driving on his own. So episode three is called Merry Birthday, Happy Christmas. So you may be like, no, it's Happy Birthday, Merry Christmas. Well, guess what? Grady's birthday is on Christmas. Ah. Yeah. And, and actually, Ellie uh, plans a surprise birthday party for Grady uh, while Hal keeps him occupied at a local bar. Now, in the first episode, we find out that Grady is 67 years old. So he's turning 68 in this episode. Do you know how old Grady, well, Whitman Mayo was in real life at this time? 42. A little older, 45. Uh, So so, he's basically Sophia Petrillo the role. uh, I think he's Sophia Petrillo it plus maybe a couple of years. Uh, He's playing a character that's 23 years older than him. Uh, either A, that's great acting, or B, when he was 45, he looked like crap. 
And I'm just saying this. I'm 45, and I don't look like crap. I don't have gray hair. And and I'm, I'm sure my dear girlfriend will agree because she gave us five stars on Apple Podcast. Thank you, sweetie. And also, in this episode, making a an appearance, a guest appearance, we talked about Fred Sanford appearing in the first episode. Well, guess what? In the third episode, we have another Sanford and Son cast member coming by, LaWanda Page and Esther. Yay! Woo! And Esther. So I think we're seeing a little trend here of uh, co-stars from Sanford and Son making the trip to uh, Westwood to see Grady. It's uh, just Kelsey. a short bus drive. Well, it's a short bus drive, but also to, to boost the ratings a little bit. Yeah, you know, seeing people from the, the, the mothership, if you will. Yeah. And then episode four is called Grady's Night Inn. Grady turns sleuth to track down the thief who stole two rolls of quarters from the Grady kitchen. Oh, he's putting his detective cap on. Oh, boy. And, and 20 bucks back then. Well, I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, but still back then, that would have been a, a good chunk of change. Uh-huh. Oh, and we have special guest galore. Holy shnikes. Uh, appearing for his third episode. IMDb said he was in two episodes. He's in a third. George Zunza appears again. But then... Get ready, because we have two more Sanford and Son cast members appearing. And then another, just out of left field, oh my gosh, this person was on this show. You had Don Bexley appearing, who's Bubba. Bubba what? Bubba Hexley? Bubba Wexley? Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Bexley. Yeah, and if you, if you remember Sanford and Son, I think Bubba might be the second funniest supporting character next to Grady. Nice. I want my daddy's records. Uh, if Ben Ingram listens, he'll get that reference. Uh, and then uh, also another person from Sanford and Son, you had Nathaniel Taylor. And I'm going to tell you, he was probably the person that took the quarters because he was uh, a bit of a shady character. Rollo uh, was shady. Uh, Rollo was shady, a little bit of a kleptomaniac. Uh, and yeah, he played Rollo, in case you, you didn't notice uh, me and Chico calling him Rollo. He made a number of appearances on, on, on Sanford and Son as a, uh, a shyster, let's say. I think that's yeah. a good word to use. But now, wait. Now, this is where it gets off the wall, this last guest. Playing a character named Martin, Robbie Rist, Cousin Oliver from Brady Bunch. What? Robbie Rist played a character named Martin on this episode, Robbie Rist, Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. And also, one of the Ninja Turtles in one of the movies, I do not remember which one, and I do not remember which one. Wasn't he? He was in the first one, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah. still, Cousin Oliver appeared on this show. That's all you need to know. Wow. Did he steal the nickels? Like I said, the episode isn't out there. This isn't the one episode that's out there. I would not be surprised if it was Rollo. But, you know, it, it could be one of those twists where in the end, yep, oh, it was uh, uh, Cousin Oliver after all. <laughs> well, uh, again. If Robbie Rist is listening, maybe he can clear this up. 
Well, uh, or, hey, you know what? Maybe if Sony's listening, they can put this show either on DVD or they can put it on Crackle. I, I'm glad. You know what? They did release Grady, the best of Grady, which has every episode except for Happy Birthday, Merry Christmas. Or Merry okay. Birthday, Happy... You know what I'm trying to say here. Right. Yeah. And, and, okay, so I guess that means that I might have to do some eBay prices right research in a few minutes. <laughs> Episode five. I, I guess that's a no. Okay. <laughs> Night okay. school. Yeah, this is the episode that's on YouTube. Absolutely, yes. Because I, okay. I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Hal is a teacher. He yes, is an he American is. history teacher. Yes. Now, Hal, Hal has a new student. In his American history class. Was, I think he was a teacher at UCLA. I thought he was just like a night school teacher. Yeah, well, he has a, well, he has a new student. His father-in-law, Grady. What? <laughs> but that, yep. that's not awkward. Your, your father-in-law is a student in your class. What? And and oh, the best part of this episode, guys. The best part of this episode was that the story. And Mike, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know, I know. They did a parody of future installment, the bicentennial minute. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a good beginning to the show. Uh, as I mentioned uh, before, we started uh, recording this episode. This episode. Really, the last like 10 minutes, I thought were brilliant because what ended up happening, I don't want to spoil it, but well, I am too bad. Uh, what ended up happening is Grady ended up getting a very low grade on the test. I mean, like a five out of 30. It was a horribly failing grade. And what uh, happened is he put another person's name on his test, and he actually got like 26 out of 30. He got a good grade. Uh, and then he took the fall for this, this older woman and got this failing grade. So he took her test, erased the name out, and then put his name. So he, he sort of took the fall, which is a, a, an interesting tactic to say the least. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Like I said, the comedy is not bad in this episode. There's other factors as to why it only ran 10 episodes. Like we said. We'll get to that in a little bit. Episode 6, The Meter Man. Grady's scheme of feeding expired parking meters, then asking the car owners for reimbursement, earns him unwanted attention in the news. Well, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's going to happen if you put meters in there for uh, people who are expired, and then, oh, suddenly you're asking for compensation or some way of, of, you know, getting repayment. That's, that, that's not cool. I know there's been stories of people who filled expire meters. So people didn't get fines. That That's cool. But, you know, actually going back and saying, Hey, yeah, could you pay me the dollar and change I put in the meter? No bueno. And, and actually we should also add, it wasn't just Grady putting the coins in the meters. It was Grady and his grandson Haywood. So they were being nice guys. You know what? Somebody wants to put change in an expired meter nowadays. 
they would be lauded as an urban hero. Absolutely. <clears throat> and we should note that playing herself, presumably as a news reporter, is Stephanie Edwards. Hmm. Who's Stephanie Edwards? Who's Stephanie Edwards? Uh, well, she has actually uh, in the past commentated on the Tournament of Roses parade. Oh, uh, that's Stephanie Edwards! Y- yes, I believe she's a fixture in LA local news. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the person a, who wasn't Rob, the person who wasn't Bob Eubanks got it. Essentially, there you go. Yes, the person who is not Bob Eubanks. We should also add that she played a character named Angela on recent addition to our submission list, The Girl with Something Extra. Oh, boy. Yeah, with Sally Field and John Davidson. You're welcome, by the way. But I'll tell you this much. Stephanie at the Rose Ball Parade, she was was no uh, Cord and Tish, let me tell you that. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Cord and Tish. Oh, no. Next episode. <laughs> that takes us to episode seven, The Strike. Hal and his fellow teachers vote to go on strike. Oh, no. Yeah, well, uh-huh. that, that's the thing that comes with, with the profession. Uh, I haven't been in a strike yet, but uh, we've been very close to striking probably at least three times uh, in the 15 years I've been doing it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's union power at its best. Mm-hmm. And enough of my political grandstanding about being a teacher. Oh, Robbie Rist makes an appearance in this episode. Oh, the Robbie Rist. The, the Robbie Rist, who may or may not have taken the two rolls of quarters, he makes an appearance in this episode. So there you go. Episode eight Bureaucracy. Grady takes on the government after he fails to receive several Social Security checks. And darn it, I'd do the same if I didn't get my money. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, again, if Grady is 68 years old in this uh, series, yeah, he's probably going to be living off of Social Security, especially if he's living with his his daughter and her family. Yep. So it, it makes sense. And uh, as long as he doesn't pull a Peter Griffin on the first episode of Family Guy and uh, t- takes the overage from his Social Security checks and, and tosses out the uh, Goodyear blimp, I think he'll be fine. Well, it was either that or the spiked balls that said, forgive me, Lois. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Episode nine, Grady takes a wife. Oh, Greg, get your woo ready. While waiting for Grady to return home from a trip to Las Vegas, Ellie falls asleep and dreams that Grady has brought home a bride, a Las Vegas circus performer. And actually, another description will get even more ooze from you guys. Ellie dreams that Grady marries not just a circus performer, a go-go dancer. Yes. That's all you need to say is is ooh. Do we know who the go-go dancer is? Uh, The only guest on this episode appears to be somebody named Norma Miller. Well, Norma Miller may not have been a go-go dancer because... At the time of this appearance, she would have been 55 years old, 56 years old. Okay, so we know I mean, it's, it's not it's, it's, it's feasible, but, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Norma Miller is not with us anymore. 
She actually passed away a little bit under a year and a half ago at age 99. Wow. And she didn't have many credits to her name. She was on this episode. She actually made three appearances on Sanford and Son as three different characters. Uh, and really, that's pretty much it. There's, there's not a whole lot uh, on her uh, IMDb resume. And that takes us to the final episode, The Weekend. Hal and Ellie have a chance for a second honeymoon after Grady takes the kids away for the weekend. Who doesn't like getting away for the weekend with the, the kids being taken care of by Grady? Yeah. I could, I could he, make an obvious joke about the weekend, but yeah. Well, there's a joke there about the weekend, but honestly, I think having Grady taking care of the kids for the, uh, the weekend, that may rival Teddy on Bob's Burgers taking care of the kids when Bob and Linda are out of town. Yep. Yeah. So that's 10 episodes, and uh, I mentioned there's two reasons why this did not succeed. Well, number one is ratings. Isn't it always ratings? It's always ratings. It, yeah. It's always ratings. And actually, here's how bad the ratings were. How bad were the ratings? Yeah, how, or how awful were the ratings for this show? Well... Uh, for the last week of January of 1976, out of 69 episodes that week, nice. It came in 69th. Nice. Wow. No, no, not nice because it finished last. Yeah. Not nice. But, not nice, but but I, I know what you're saying. And, and then, just a couple weeks later. Out of 65 shows, it came in, not 65th, 62nd. Oh, okay. 62nd. Yeah, it, it, it was four from the bottom. One of the shows below Grady that week was the show that followed it on uh, the schedule after Grady, a show called Cop and the Kid. Never heard of it. Not, not a submission yet, but I'm sure we're diligently working on it. Oh, I'm, I'm looking that up right now. And then uh, in March, the first week of March, out of 68 shows, it was 67th behind, wait for it, Cop and the Kid. Nobody liked to watch Cop and the Kid, I guess. I get it. Well, nobody liked watching Grady, but there's a big reason, and this is the second reason why it likely failed and had bad ratings. Uh, what was its <sighs> primary competition? Two shows. One that was in its second season at the time uh, on ABC, a little show called Barney Miller. Mm. Oh, it gets better, though. And on CBS, uh, another little show, which was on for, I think, about five seasons at this point, called The Waltons. Ooh. And then to make it even worse, listen to this. This is bad. It's bad, but it's good scheduling if you're trying to kill the competition. ABC had Barney Miller at 8 o'clock versus Grady and the Waltons. Uh, about six weeks after it premiered, Grady moved to 8.30, mm -hmm. presumably to escape Barney Miller and all that. Uh -huh. Well, th that lasted for one episode, because guess what ABC put on at 8.30 the following week? 
Barney Miller. Another Barney Miller. No, no, no. They moved that Barney Miller. Oh. Yeah, they, they moved the, the original new episode of Barney Miller. So Grady could not escape the shadow of Barney Miller and the Waltons. No one so, can ever escape the shadow of Barney Miller or the Waltons. Yeah. So there's probably a big reason why the show failed because it went up against a really good show in Barney Miller, a really young show in Barney Miller, and a venerable classic at that point in the Waltons. Whew. But we're not done talking about the Sanford verse yet. Uh, as we said, the Sanford and Son was on until 1977, and it was still riding high, but uh, ABC did a little maneuver. They actually got Red Fox away from NBC, away from Sanford and Son, and that's the reason the series ended. And they created a show just for Red Fox called the Red Fox Comedy Hour. And this, uh, th there's very little information about this online. I, I actually did quite a bit of searching for this, and I could not find much of anything. There's two episodes online, so it can be seen. But in terms of like a Wikipedia page, there's no Wikipedia page for this, believe it or not. Yeah, actually, uh, I have, I have the page on IMDb, and even the IMDb page doesn't have that much. Yeah, all we know is that it started on September fifteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, and it was taped at Studio Forty Three at Television City. Uh, and I can give an approximate end date again from the little bit of research I, I was able to find. The Red Fox Hour ended sometime in early 78. Uh, I'm seeing like early January of 78 as a possible uh, mm -hmm. last episode date. So it didn't run for much more than three, three and a half, four months. So obviously that means maybe 13 episodes and done. Perhaps. Very it's very feasible because uh, you know, you, you probably will have a rerun for Thanksgiving. You'll probably have a rerun for Christmas. So it may have been 13 and done. I, I don't want to sound like Marie Kondo, but it just didn't spark any joy. Uh, the, the one thing I liked uh, is the set, uh, at least the opening set, when they reveal Red Fox, when they introduce him, uh, the city skyline essentially uh, disappearing. And then you see the uh, the letters R-E-D-D, -D, giant, like 10 foot tall letters, rise, like like stand up, uh, like at a 90 degree so, angle from like a wrestling yeah, position. Yeah, and, uh, I, think the, I think what it was, was the cityscape folded downwards to reveal. Yeah, it looks like it folded downwards, but yeah, it's, it disappeared essentially, layer by layer, like in three or four layers. Uh, but then you had the these red brick, faux brick, obviously, because they weigh a ton if they're real bricks, mm -hmm. uh, basically sit up from a flat position to a, an upright position, like going up 90 degrees. Uh, and then you had Red Fox entering through a, a door, a very, very wisely camouflaged door. Uh, I didn't even see it, at least when I first uh, saw the footage. But yeah, he came through the door. I thought that was an absolutely impressive start, an absolutely impressive opening to the show. And, and that's about as, as, as interesting as it was for me. 
on this series, as I said, there's not a whole lot of information, but uh, we do know some of the, the guest stars based on the YouTube footage, plus also IMDb. Uh, you did have people like, uh, I hate saying this first name, Anita Bryant. But then you also had Andy Kaufman appearing on one episode. Uh -huh. uh, in the footage uh, of at least one episode, you see Billy Barty. What? Get it out uh, of your system, Gray. What did Billy Barty do on the super train? Oh, he was he was one of the two dwarves that helped the magician kidnap that presidential candidate on the super train. Oh, my. I, I'm sure that felt good to get out of your system. Oh, the hail to the chief episode for Florida's wet. One person who made recurring appearances on this series uh, was a gentleman named Bill Saluga. And Bill Saluga may not be a well-known name, but he was part of Ace Trucking Company, which was a comedy troupe back in the 60s and 70s. And some of the members of Ace Trucking Company are people you've heard of. Patty Deutsch. Ooh. Patty Deutsch, who was on Match Game. And, and, and uh, we'll eventually talk about her when we talk about Capital Critters. And then... Rest in peace, just passed away within the last few months, Fred Willard. Yep. Uh-huh. But then the third person, again, we're going back a number of episodes. Uh, I think we're going back, oh gosh, 80-plus episodes. Going back to Hello Larry, George Maboli, the producer in the first season. Oh, what? So out of the five people in the Ace Trucking Company, you had... Well, three legitimate names, at least in th this world, in, in our little uh, area. And then you had Bill Saluga, who, now, he, he had a career, let's say that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, so this Ace Trucking Company, they did well. I mean, Fred Willard, G George Mamoli, Patty Deutsch, and, uh, and Bill Saluga. It's not bad. Nope. Uh, but also, in addition to uh, those folks... You had Slappy White on some episodes. Oh, Slappy White. Ah, uh, Slappy. Well, yeah, and Slappy made some appearances on San Francisco. So, again, he's a, a known entity, if you will. But also, and this one is not listed in IMDb, uh, but doing a little research, I found out this person was on this uh, show and actually played a role... Similar to like the Aunt Esther role on, on Sanford and Son. Joe Marie Payton. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Harriet Winslow was on the Red yes. Fox top of the hour. Yes, that Harriet Winslow. Yeah. Also, we should add two of the writers of the show. And not, I think they're even more than writers. I, I think uh, they uh, actually had a hand in producing the show. At least one of them did. One was more of a writer. The other was a writer slash producer of the show. Uh, one Bob Einstein. Oh, and I if know. you don't know what, what, know who that, that is, you know who that guy is? I know who that guy is. I know who that guy is. Is the one, the only, Super Dave Osborne. Yeah, that, that's Super Dave Osborne and also Albert Brooks's brother. Yep. We mentioned him back in the XFL 2001 episode. Yeah. Uh, and another name we mentioned, and this goes back, oh, probably 
I think it goes back to around maybe episode 20 or so, episode 18. Pat Proft, who also wrote the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes! Yep. Among other things, like Police Squad, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, he wrote the Naked Gun movies, too. So. And what happened to this show, for, again, from what I've read... ABC considered this a success. And you say, how could this be a success? It lasted maybe three, four months. It was gone by like the first or second week of January of 1978. How was this a success? Yeah, you're going to have to explain this one, Mike. Okay. Well, they got Red Fox away from NBC. In turn, there's no more Sanford and Son on NBC. So th- they hurt their competition. They got rid of their competitions. Oh, one of their when competitions. When in doubt, buy them out. Got it. Yeah, th- th- they got rid of competition by uh, giving him an offer he couldn't refuse, and he went to ABC. And yeah, even though the show didn't last, it was a success because they got rid of Sanford and Son. Well, they didn't totally get rid of Sanford and Son. Uh, th- we're going to talk about that in the second half of this episode. Also, one other thing of note, I don't know if Norman Lear held grudges, but uh, it's interesting that after uh, Sanford and Son was uh, taken off the air, after ABC essentially bought Red Fox, Uh it's interesting that there's only been two shows from Norman Lear that ever appeared on ABC. Just two. One was a sitcom, and this may be a future entry. I'm pretty sure it is. A.K.A. Pablo with Paul Rodriguez. Paul Rodriguez yeah. Oh, I think I know the second. I okay. Know, is it Hotel Baltimore? No. What? No, Hotel, Hotel Baltimore was before. Okay. That was 75. No, actually, what I was referring to was the live uh, in front of a studio audience. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the All in the Family and Good Times and the Jeffersons that was done within the last, like, year and a half or so. Yeah, so those are the, really the only two Norman Lear shows which have appeared on a- ABC in essentially 45 years almost. Yeah, well, one of them was basically an anthology of uh, of his greatest hits, so... Yeah, but that's like having still, more than one. Yeah, but also still, that's a good thirty-five years after AKA Pablo. So I wonder if there was still a little bit of resentment at that point, or, or maybe it's just you know just coincidental. Oh, you know uh, the the one show that ABC bought from Norman Lear happened to be AKA Pablo, which again we'll probably eventually cover it because it only ran for six episodes. And barely over a month. Well, I, I think kind of the live in front of the studio is mostly also has to do with the fact that Jimmy Kimmel's involved and he's an ABC guy. He is, well, right, but it's still under the Norman Lear umbrella. And at least on the first uh, installment, they did have Norman Lear there. Well, that's it for part one. Part two, we're going to get into the other two spinoffs uh, related to Sanford and Son. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened to Sanford and Son after Red Fox left. But then we're going to talk about 
a semi-triumphant return, kind of, sort of, ish, question mark. Uh, but we'll be talking about that on Thursday. Uh, until then, as always, don't forget all, all our previous episodes can be found at www.itwasathingontv.com. Uh, don't forget about our socials. We're at It Was A Thing On TV, uh, just about everywhere in social media. And we got the Discord. Don't forget to like and subscribe and rate and review. And don't forget to share because sharing is caring. So we'll talk about those other two shows uh, coming up on Thursday, uh, right here on It Was A Thing On TV. Wilson, by all accounts, is a kind and gentle man. A man who almost 20 years ago to this day suddenly disappeared without a trace, without so much as a goodbye. The story of Grady Wilson's mysterious disappearance begins over 20 years ago at the Sanford and Son junkyard. Grady would spend a great deal of time at Sanford's, in spite of the almost constant fighting between Fred Sanford and his son Lamont and a woman known as Aunt Esther. These arguments would often culminate in a call to the police. I got a big old ugly woman here. Then I'll catch her to get her off my property. What money? Off my property! I want this woman off my property! I've been out to that place three or four times. There was always a lot of yelling and screaming. I always felt that one day things would get out of hand. That day turned out to be March 23rd, 1976. Fred Sanford was moving car parts in the junkyard when suddenly Aunt Esther appeared, demanding a donation for her church fundraiser. Why don't you go drink a big glass of shut up, you? Why, Fred Sanford, I never. And I bet you never will. I remember that day. Oh, that Fred Sanford could wild me up. We must have been loud. Because Grady came out of the house to see what was going on. Grady was about to break up the fight when Fred said, Esther, you so ugly, I'd rather kiss Joe Frazier. <laughs> Suddenly Aunt Esther swung her handbag at Sanford, but he ducked, and she struck Grady. I was so mad, I just kept yelling at Fred. We didn't even notice what happened to poor Grady. Grady apparently got up and staggered away from the junkyard. He has not been seen or heard from since. What has happened to Grady Wilson? Grady is 5 feet 10 inches tall and is 65 years old. He walks with a stooped gait and may have a long white beard. If you have any information as to Grady Wilson's whereabouts, or if you just want to talk about Grady, please contact the Conan O'Brien Grady hotline at 1-800-881-3192.